I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Welcome to another edition of the DraftKings Lost Words podcast. I'm joined, as ever, by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, we did have a week off last week, so we cannot say we've never missed a show. Um, It was a tough scene last week. That's the only reason I didn't want to miss it, because I want to still be able to say that, but... Yeah, the event wasn't great, and you know things are things are kind of getting busy over here. But the the good news is we get Shot Tracker back this week, so I can just refresh like a maniac all day. We do, and and you know what? I think I think it was good because last week my process did not work out. So if you know if we'd have done the show, it would have been a good one anyway uh, in terms of DraftKings lineups. But um, you know, it was. Did you watch much of the game? I didn't see much of Mexico. I've got to be honest. I, I watched Sunday. That's it. And, and, I mean, Henley basically had a commanding lead anyway. And I think once once someone like that finds a passer for the week, it's it's pretty tough. I mean, it's a bit akin to what Jordan Smith just done in Portugal on the DP World Tour. Like, once these ball strikers suddenly find a week where they can actually put things together, it's uh, pretty hard to catch them. Yeah, a part of me feels like I should have been on it just because I've been on him a lot. But then you look at, like, his stats weren't even that great. The ball striking wasn't incredible leading into the week. It was it was okay, but it wasn't, like, peak Henley levels. And then his putting has just been absolutely abysmal. He lost strokes, like, 12 weeks in a row. And, like, so – and you go, you go to those slow greens. So I, that is a, a reason why you might see it flip, and it did. But, hey, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I think that's when it's like I wouldn't have picked him just because of the current form, just because of the – uh, the Mike over, like he's he's had some spike rounds there, but never put four rounds together. So I wouldn't have been on him anyway. So I didn't feel too bad. I'm actually just happy for a guy that I think deserves to win more. So um, yeah, it was good really. Um, anything that you took away from the event that that wasn't Russell Henley that you kind of use for coming weeks? No, I mean, um, not not to bring this up, but the fact that we're, we're probably going to see this course on live for next year um, <laughs> doesn't. At least it gives you something. But those live events, people who like to bet them, like you had nothing to go off. At least now you're going to a course where you know what the type of players you're looking for. If you know you're into betting that, so I think that's kind of at least a positive thing. Yeah, exactly that. I think you know that there's you know I think to be honest, there's a couple of players that really impressed me last week. Both of them that finished in the top five that I've actually bet this week. Uh, those were Joel David and Will Gordon. So I'll get into more of those um, in a bit when we come to their salary range. But let let's go into the the prices then so Scheffler is a clear number one at 11.5 Sam Burns 10.7 Tony Finau 10.4 Hideki Matsuyama 10.3 and Russell Henley 10 who is the must play I don't think there is a must play I think Scheffler is going to be the most popular and I'm very wary of that I think the course history obviously you know he was really good here last year which is which is great plays in Texas well his Sunday round was was really good he switched back to that putter that I know he won the Masters with, and he kind of got him going. Um, I would be wary of just – he's really had one great round in his last, like, 12 or 16 rounds. So, like, the fact that he's going to be so popular, he's so expensive, I'm just going to go somewhere else this week. I would take Sam Burns. Like, if I was going to definitely take someone from the 10s, like, I know you've had your beef with Sam Burns in the past, but you went to him not so long ago, and he played well, and, you know, two seventh-place finishes here. Shows you everything you need to know about Sam Burns. It's – when I look back at my notes from last year, uh, I compared it to, or well, found a lot of correlation between this and Riviera, and that suits Sam Burns' narrative, given how well he's played there in the past. And look, he was the 55-hole leader in, in 2020. He's a much better player now. Um, and although he kind of had to grow into the event last season, 
Um, I do think he's probably the best place to win it of the of the four there. So or five, sorry. I'm out on Hideki. Um, I do give Henley a little chance of going well again. Um, you know, he's a former winner of this event, uh, a different golf course at the Golf Club of Houston, um, but he's actually played well here twice as well, 29th and 7th. So I actually think he can ride the form and keep going, but um, wouldn't want to rely on it. You never know quite how people are going to react. That's funny because I'm I'm actually in on Hideki. He's the guy in the 10K range I want to be playing. Really? Um, yeah, yeah, it's completely risky, and I, I I get that. But I just think this is the time of year. This is the type of feel like swing for the fences. And I think his ceiling is just as high as these other guys. He was really good here. Um, you know, the year that he um, came in second, I think, to uh, Ortiz. Him and DJ and Ortiz were kind of battling it out. Um, and part of that could be was he gearing up for the Masters because it was the week before the Masters that year. So I do I am concerned about that. But he's great around the green, which I think is really important here. Um, and the other guys, I just think, you know, no one wants to play Decky too. So his ceiling is just as high as these other guys. The floor is much lower, but, you know, I'm going to swing for the fences and, and take a shot on him. So the one thing I would say about him is I think it says a lot that he's just playing. Like, I don't really see the incentive. For the same as Sheffield, really. Like, unless they feel like they're in a good position to win, I don't really see why they're playing at this time of year. So that's an obvious positive, I guess. Um, I just still feel scarred after him being so bad at the um, Zozo. So final round 65 at the Fortinet. Um, played okay at the CJ Cup, finished with 67 there. So even the Zozo had his third round 66. So he's kind of flashing one round a week, and you know hopefully he can find a couple more for you this week. Yeah, I think it's just it's just worth a shot. 9k range. This is where the the winner comes from. It's where my two first bets come from. So I'm actually very comfortable with just starting uh, my my um, teams or lineups with Jason Day and Joel Damon. So we'll go on to Jason Day first. He was someone. I mean, you bet him at Tory Pines. As it seems to vividly remember being yeah. uh, a bit of a roller coaster final round for you then. Um, and, and it's just been. He just looks like the old Jason Day of old now. And this is a sort of course that you know will suit him. I think he was second going into the final round here in the first year. Uh, finished in seventh place, I think it was uh, in the end. But um, do you think he's back? And do you think like? I mean, one, I think he's had his fair share of injuries. Two, he's obviously lost his mum. Like, three, it's just hard to sustain the the skill level that he's had for so long. And, you know, he's now gained strokes and approach in six straight starts. Uh, he's hitting the ball well off the tee. He was third in ball striking last week. Um, and the least of those categories was his driving distance, which normally is kind of bread and butter. So, for me, he was seventh place finish and in second in the 54 hole stage uh, last year. And then... You know, he's open rounds of 67 both times. I think Jason Day is probably the candidate for me. Like, his current form is just great. Like, I wondered what he was going to do at Maya Cobra. I didn't think it suits him very much. He finished with rounds of 64, 67, 66 after opening with 73. Finished 11th at the CJ Cup. Grew into that event as well. And it seems to me he's growing into every event, right? Like, Sharon is he had two rounds of 66, but a final round of 63 there as well. So, it seems to be that it's taken him the week to kind of acclimatise, but... On a course where I don't think anyone's going to get away with scoring, I think it's perfect for Jason Day. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more with everything that you said. He was my first bet of the week. When I started the week, I said, I don't know who I'm betting, but I know one of them is going to be Jason Day. I absolutely love him this week. Uh, the form is is excellent, and I love the fact, like you just mentioned, that he doesn't have to get to minus 20 this week. Like, that's a problem for him. Um, two weeks, two starts ago at the CJ Cup, that was the first time he shot four rounds in the 20s. In over two years, uh, in the 60s, in over two calendar years, 
So I think that's, that's really something. surprising, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a long time. It was Pebble, yeah. I think, uh, 2020 Pebble Beach. This is also his best um, three tournament stretch when he's finished, you know, 21st or better in three starts since July of 2020. So over two calendar years as well. Uh, so he's he's in great form, and I like the course form. I like the fact that, like you mentioned, he played well here in his his first start. Seems healthy. Seems in a good mental spot. I I love him. Yeah, and I just think, like, you, you think about all the courses, I mean, I don't know what kind of courses you sort of cook up as comparisons to this, but I think of Riviera, I think of Bay Hill, I think of Torrey Pines, and, you know, he's he's won at Torrey Pines, he's won at Bay Hill. I'm sure he's probably played well at Riviera in the past, although I can't think of it. He won the Byron Nelson in Texas, his first win in 2010. Like, everything kind of points to him having a renaissance at a golf course that demands really good driving and around a green play. Yeah, everything he's been doing, you know, too, and finally the putter seems to be back, which, like, he was kind of putting it together for a little bit um, end of last year, last summer, and but he just couldn't putt, and now it's, like, it's all starting to come together. I, I guess the the, the um, lit down recently has been around the green, but this is a different test. Like, it's runoff areas as opposed to, you know, just your typical around the green stuff and different types of courses this week, so I think that actually works in his favor. Yeah, he's always been great around the green at Augusta. Yeah. So I think that's a kind of a similar around the green comp, at least. Absolutely. Um, anyone else for you in the nine K range? Um, let's see. Most. Um, day. Grillo, just because I just feel like, <coughs> you know, I've been, I've kind of been riding him a lot throughout swing season, and it would kind of hurt to get off him now and have him start playing well. I do think the course does make some sense. Uh, he didn't finish well last week, but he still w- drove the ball really well, and he still was hitting some greens in regulation, which are the only two stats that I could see from last week. Um, I just think he, he's solid all around. Do you, do you think there's a necessity to play the likes of Wise or Montgomery or something like that to, to kind of get someone safe in your lineup? Nah, I don't. I, I think if I was going to pick one, it'd be Montgomery. Like, I think there's... Like I think we know with Wise what what's coming at the moment, and if he wins, fine. But I don't think he will at nine nine. And I would probably take Montgomery. I think he's probably quite suited to this test. I'm not going to go there either, and I'm probably not going to go to Maverick McNeely, although he's been incredibly solid. I just again, when I've got you've mentioned Grillo, who I kind of like. I've already got Jason Day in this area, and I really like Joel Damon. Like I I love everything about Joel Damon's game for this. Um, I'm definitely going to go with him at nine k. Like. He was, you mentioned Jason Day was your must bet. Like, he was my must bet. Mm. Um, since missing the cut at the Fortinet, he's finished 13th, 37th, and 16th before finishing third at the Mayakoba. He shot rounds of 68, 67, 66, 65 at the Mayakoba, so he got better every year. Closed with a 65 here last year to finish fifth. And then just looking at, like, his best performances, right? Like, second at Quell Hollow, fifth at Riviera, fifth at Bay Hill, tied night finishes at Torrey Pines and the Byron Nelson. Like, what more do I need to see from Joel David? Like, he's hitting the ball incredibly well. Um, he was 20th in distance last week, 11th in accuracy. Uh, he's been 11th and 12th in strokes gain approach, 1st and 11th in tee to green, and 18th and 25th in strokes gain off the tee in his strokes gain starts recently as well. Like, he's just got the ball on a string, and I think these tougher events actually suit him. I think Texas can suit him as well. It feels like to me, like, him and Homer are good friends, and, and they kind of jerked around for a little bit you know, gained their popularity, did everything they needed to do in that respect. And I think once they both kind of dedicated themselves to the craft, they've both elevated their game. And you actually look at Joel Damon's like top 50, and it's top 50 now, so it's top 20 on the ODFGRs. I moan about it every, year, every week. But um, 
like his his events, like his finishes are really underrated. I think uh, Joel Damon. Like I think he's a much better player than he gets credit for. So he's got the win at the Corrales, which is actually his second best finish behind the Wells Fargo second. Tenth at the U.S. Open, fifth at Riviera, tenth at the PGA Championship, fifth at Bay Hill, fifth at this event, third at Mayakoba last week, eighth at Zozo, second at the John Deere, twelfth at the Players, ninth at Tory Pines, like eighth at the Canadian Open. If, if you'd have asked me, has he had that many like top finishes? I never would have guessed that. And it's just been solid, like twentieth place finishes at WGC Phoenix and Jude. Um, Pebble Beach he's been up there multiple times like he seems to be a player that actually performs in big fields like you look his, his worst performance of those 50, 50 finishes are is a 22nd at Hawaii so he's generally very very like I normally think of someone like a Joel Damon and people of that caliber that you get to like the 50th in, event in that OW and it's like a miscut in whatever mm-hmm. like he's just been incredibly solid and I think it's been overlooked yeah it definitely is because when I think of him I think of more of like a boomer boss like he might if he when he plays well, usually you can see him in contention. But sometimes, you know, he just doesn't show up. But yeah, lately it's been really good. You know what I like too about him and playing him, and especially in DFS, is that the price tag seems a bit high. Yeah, I think that'll drive people, people away. Yeah, like when he was 13th at the Sanderson Farms, he shot two but rounds of 68 and just opened and closed at 71 70, which wasn't good enough. At the Shriners, he had two rounds of 66 bookend rounds. Uh, at the Zozo, he got. He went 68, 67, 66, and then just had a poor final round to fall away, I remember, because I was hoping he was going to place for me. And then just last week, just grew into the event. I just think he's going to really take that into this week and, and build on that. And I just think he's actually a better player, one than I gave him credit for, but generally the general consensus about him. He was 14th in ball striking last week, and that was because he was 32nd in JAR that pulled him down. So, yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, I like all, all great points. So that, that's the kind of top players for me. Um, 8K, we're not going to go kind of one by one. A lot of love for Davis Riley this week. Do you see it? No, I never do, though. Um, if there was a week to get on him, it probably was last week because I did see like between 90 and 110 to 1 that people were betting, which I think is where he probably should be. Yeah. Um, but now he's back up to where, you know, it all takes just one good week for him to, you know, be priced up and for everyone to love him again. So I, I, I think there's a lot of things that, you know, point to him as making sense, but I... <laughs> I'm going to be um, going right above him to Taylor Pendrith instead. So I think, so just on the negatives for me of Davis Riley, like one, what you just said, for, that's more of like a betting angle, I guess, that like the price comes in and you don't want to be on the same guys, right? But like, like DFS, like, I don't think he's statistically a great fit for this golf course. Like he's off the tee game has been what's let him down. Um, he's not as long as I thought he was when he came off the corn for his or in general. Um, he was 29th here last year, but that's fine. So, I think everyone's kind of got this kind of Texas bias on him because he's from there, plays there, whatever partners of Will's editorial there, but it doesn't necessarily make him a great fit for you know winning at, in Texas. And I think it's just that same thing that everyone just kind of wants to be on him for his first win and doesn't want to miss out. Like, miscut 19th, 62nd, 52nd, 21st. Like, 21st was his good week, and it's not great. Yeah, I think he's an average player, and I've been saying that for the past year. Like, I think he's in—I don't, which isn't a bad thing. I'm not saying he sucks. I just think he's an no. average player, and people like him so much, so it makes it—you know—people treat him like he's better than he is. And I just—that just—I can't get on board with it. When you have fuel to the fire, as Alan Torres said, he's got the best swing in the game, and he's a top ten player, no doubt. It, it kind of, uh, yep, kind of doesn't help. But um, yeah, let's talk about Potato Pendrith. 
Yeah, I like him just because I think it is important to, um, like, I don't think necessarily it's a bomber's course or you need to be long off the tee, but it, it definitely is helpful because it's not a short course. And he is just, like, absolutely elite off the tee. He's gained strokes in 10 straight events off the tee. Um, I worry about his short game and his putting a little bit around here. But for in his last 24 rounds, he ranks in the top 20 in approach and the top five and off the tee. So I think his ball striking can just get him in the mix. And I just think he's mispriced for the how talented he is in terms of betting and DFS. Like, I just think he's better than the players around him. And it's more of just like a bet the number, play the number type of play. Um, I could, you know, I could see him winning. I think he has a better chance of winning than Noren, Putnam, Riley, Hadwin, Munoz, Mitchell, like just everyone around him. I think he's a better chance. Twice a runner up at TPC San Antonio. So on the corn very tall, likes the, likes the Texas thing. Um, fifth, not fifth, sorry. Um, you know, he's just played well in like tests. You like like Tory Pines. He was sixteenth. Um, okay, it's not you know it's not a standout finish, but by any means, but thirteenth for the players. Tough golf course. Eighth for that BMW Championship, which was tough. Second at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, which always goes to people that kind of drive the ball better. To me, like he makes a ton of sense. So that plus that Texas form he's shown in the Corn Ferry seems to me like he's a decent play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I bet him as well at uh, fifty to one. I don't know if like the runoff areas help him as well. Like that just equalizes it a bit. That like his around the green's been pretty crap, but that might just help him. Like he can putt sometimes and things like that. Like might just might just lead to a better result. So one guy that I was intrigued by who isn't playing as well as I thought he might be and hasn't played as well here as I thought he might do is Keith Mitchell. Like we talk about off the tee, like he's been seventh and fifth his last two starts in straight going off the tee. Um it feels like it should be a good golf course for him. I think if, if I'm just going to based on horse fear, I think he's, he suits the test. It's funny because I thought long and hard about him. And as I was doing my other show, I was like, wow, Mitchell, he makes a lot of sense. So I looked him up and I'm like, he's just playing like shit. Playing terribly. <laughs> but like it, it doesn't make any sense considering how well he's driving a ball that he's playing so bad. And like he's a pretty streaky putter, I guess. But like fifth and sixth place finishes at Bay Hill always look good. Third at Wells Fargo. Um, sixth in the Houston Open, obviously at Golf Club of Houston in 2018. Um, to me, yeah, that that kind of points to success. Other other good finishes at, at Quail Hollow as well. I just he feels like the type of guy. I think I try, I'm trying to think of who it was recently that we we sort of picked going against. Was it Sip Stracker when like he had mm-hmm. no course form somewhere and we yes, we yes. put him up on the fit. Like I feel like that could be Keith Mitchell this week. Um, just on the strength of his. You know, driving, and if I was going to take someone else in this 8K range, because I don't love it, um, that he would probably be it. Yeah, the difference there is Straka was playing well. He just yeah was horrible at that course. The thing was, he lost 6.2 strokes on approach at the CJ Cup, and then he shoots 73, 72 at Mayakoba, yeah. which is, of course, everyone's going low Thursday, Friday. So for me, yeah, he just isn't playing well enough for me. But of course, fit-wise, I think he totally makes sense. Just, I just feel like you get like you get some odd people like Kevin Tway. He's played well here in the past and stuff yep. like that. You just get that kind of thing. So, I guess you're paying a little bit of a premium on someone that is playing crap. But we shall see. Uh, anyone else in the 8K range? For you? Um, I feel like there's a lot of guys here that are just overpriced. Like yeah, Norren, Putnam's definitely falling off. Munoz isn't playing well. Like, just seems to be a lot of those guys. Munoz is a guy I looked at because of. Um, Texas. Ortiz won in Texas. Yeah. Like he seems like he's played well in Texas and Ortiz won here, which I think they have a very similar profile. 
Um, but then he just isn't playing well enough, and his course history isn't good either. So, yeah, I, I agree. All these guys could easily be, be 7,400, and I wouldn't bat an eye. Yeah, cool. Let's go into the 7K range then. So I've I've started with Wyndham Clark and Will Gordon. So Wyndham Clark, I think, is just a good fit for this golf course, does everything I want him to do. Um, I remember backing him first-round leader last year. He was five under through eight holes, which was actually the leading score, and he somehow managed to lose by one. Um, but he was 66-69 going into the halfway stage. Um, and then he's just he's just been pretty decent, like 16th and 29th his last two starts. Um, he was only 43rd at the Fortinet, but he was 25th going into the final round. Missed a couple of cuts in between. Uh, but I do I do like Wyndham Clark from a statistical point of view. Yeah, the driver and putter, which seems that uh, has done like... Kokrak kind of was in that mold because when he won, he gained strokes off the tee and he also gained 8.7 strokes putting. And that's pretty much what Wyndham Clark can do. Um, I kind of went to a guy in a similar makeup um, beneath uh, him and Dean Burmester at 7,600. Yeah. He, um, for the great on Bermuda in the small sample size in on the PGA and Corn Ferry Tour, um, last week he played better than I think his finish indicated. He absolutely destroyed the field in, in um, fairways gained and greens and regs gained, which is pretty good for him if you drive it as far as he does and you're still hitting a lot of fairways and you're doing well on greens and reg. And he's kind of like, you know, to me he's like Pendrith, but he has a better short game. Yeah. Uh, his, his short game's good. He's gained strokes around the green, you know, almost every week. And I, you know, there's a small sample size, but he puts well in Bermuda, I think. Um, and I like the fact that the score doesn't have to get too out of control for him. Like, you know, I think he, he can make birdies and bunches, but I do think, you know, he, he can backdoor something in, you know, that 12, 13 under range, I think, is, is in his wheelhouse. Yeah, I like him. Fourth in GIR last week, uh, 23rd in driving distance and 36 in accuracy for 14th in ball striking. So, you know, obviously some sort of high-level metrics rather than actual strokes game data, but certainly promising to see there. I think just going back to Wyndham Clark quickly as well, I like the Riviera play that he's, he's shown in the past. I think that's a... A good bonus. Um, Will Gordon, I just... He is playing phenomenally right now. And I get that he's just going to be flavour of the month and you know people are just going to see the form and carry on with it. But I actually think a little bit of his form is hidden as well. So he had those back-to-back fifth-place finishes before winning at the Boise Open. He was 36th at the Fortinet, but he was 16th at the halfway stage. He was 30th at the Sands and Farms, but he led on day one and closed with 68. He was 44th at the Shriners, but open with a 65 to sit fourth on day one and close with a 63. And he was eighth going into the final round in Bermuda, but fell away. And then just last week, opens with a 62, follows it up with 67, 68, 69 to stay inside the top three all week. So it feels a little bit like he's putting his all, like the best performance he probably could have put in last week and just couldn't win because Henley was so good. So it goes one of two ways. He obviously like realizes his best wasn't good enough or... He takes a lot from it. He was second in ball striking, third in driving distance, 27th in driving accuracy, 10th in greens regulation. Last year, 38th hit, but he opened with a 76. So he bounced back from that with 67, 65 goes. So he went into Sunday in 18th place. So to me, he, he makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I like him a lot too. He he just missed my betting card. Um, but I, you know, I, I was definitely considering it. For, for what, what reason did he I miss? I agree with you. Just because I, I had I kind of was just full, you know, yeah. I, I I bet uh, I started with Day, then went to um, Pendrith Pendrith and Burmy, 
yeah. so 50 and 70 and then I, I kind of finish it off with um a couple of guys who I'll, um, i haven't got to yet cool um and i wanted to go a little bit light this week because i don't feel entirely you know great no, about i, I feel exactly the same i've literally had like three picks in each or i might have added it's four by the time yeah. i got to the end of the last podcast but um no makes a ton of sense we both like him anybody else for you i mean i've got probably two or three that i really want to talk on in this 7k range the first one for me and i i have a feeling it might be the same for you is straka at 7400 um it just he just feels mispriced in both the dk and betting markets i bet him an 80 to 1 as well and i've seen even better numbers out there but i got an 80 it just seems like i don't understand why he is priced above all these other players like with what he's been doing um I know he wasn't good at the CJ Cup or the Mike Koba, but like those aren't Seb Straka events. He plays well on tougher courses and fast Bermuda greens. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, second at Sanderson on those <coughs> Bermuda greens. FedEx St. Jude, fast, uh, faster Bermuda greens, tough scoring event, finished second. Um, so I just think Honda, tough event, um, fast Bermuda greens. Yeah, I, so I just think this is a, a nice spot for him. Yeah, so he he wasn't one of them mine actually, but I, I, only because I missed his name. He he would be on there. Um, he was close to me for betting, but didn't get there. Um, Mackenzie Hughes, I think, is someone to look at on this golf course. It does seem to play out for him, despite the fact that it always seems to go against what he should be good at. He does seem to perform well in those situations. Lee Hodges, a little bit similar, to hits the ball um, pretty well at the moment, and you know seems to sharpen his tougher events. But the couple I wanted to focus on. Luke List, and I, I really don't know how I feel about this. Like, I've bet him at 110 to 1. Um, and when you look at where he's played well, he's obviously won at Tory Pines. He was third at 2017 Houston Open, sixth and ninth at Quail Hollow, tenth at Bay Hill, 11th here last year, two more top 15s at Tory Pines and Riviera. Last two starts, 31st and 20th in strokes gain off the tee. Um, it's been a really lean period, but he was 14th after round one at Sanderson. Um, and at Zozo, he was eighth at the halfway stage. There's sort of signs that he's coming back to not his best by any means, but sort of showing up. And I think, if, you know, this 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 time last year, everyone had been on loot list, and I think it's a good fit for him. Yeah, why, yeah, why not? Um, I think I never play lists, and most times it works out for me, so I'm I'm staying off of them. But yeah, I mean, course fit wise, and like the comps you are saying, make make plenty of sense. So yeah, I get it. And then another couple, Davis Thompson, uh, I think will be relatively popular. He's hitting the ball really well off the tee right now. Um, don't have a ton to go by on him. He's still relatively new. He, he's obviously just played consistently this season after, you know, sort of cutting his teeth on, on the lower tour last year. Um, and then I think Martin Laird is worth consideration. This is a guy that, so he's missed two cuts here, but I don't, I don't really get why. Like, obviously he's not played well those weeks, but like he was 36th, after round one last year so he had plenty of chance of making the cut he was inside the cut line uh the after round one uh, the first year as well and he just seems to be playing okay like 37th 45th and 15th his last three starts he was sixth at the halfway stage last week um we know he loves texas like that that's not something that we need to sort of run over and he's played well at all those kind of courses as well like bay hill riviera and things like that like they all seem to link to martin ned yeah, for me, and you, you mentioned he plays well in Texas, but for me, I always want to play him in Cali, Vegas, or Phoenix. Like yeah. that's that's where the area I have him pinned in my head. 
Um, but course fit wise, he, yeah, he makes sense. And he, you know, I, I, yeah, I question what the ceiling is really, but, um, in this, in this event, but the, the floor probably is, is pretty good considering what he's been doing lately. Well, I'm just thinking like the, the, he's obviously won the Valero. Maybe that, maybe that's skewing it a little bit because that is just one win, but like, I'm pretty sure he's top 10 at Colonial in the past and things like that as well. So like he's shown some signs and I just think like Tory Pines, Bay Hill, where he's played well, like, mm-hmm. There's just you know he's won at Bay Hill. Sorry, like has he played here? Yeah, missed two cuts, and okay. I think I just I don't know with him. Like I think sometimes he's just very volatile, so possibly not great in this format. Maybe better just bet. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I thought he was a name worth mentioning anyway. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, I was I looked a little bit at Brendan Steele. I know he's, yeah. his his forms fell off a bit, but like I feel like you got to play him in the event where the, sc- where the scoring doesn't get too crazy. Like the and, players and with... his driver heavy, right, which suits him. Mm-hmm. And he's he's been not quite... He's bad putting everywhere, but not quite as bad at um, on Bermuda. And then CJ Cup, he f- gained 3.6 on approach and finished in 18th place. That's the last time we saw him. So it's not like his form has really fallen off that bad. And like I feel like he was 8,900 in the field like this just a couple months ago. Uh, and he's not much has really changed. No, he led, led the Zozo after round one, didn't he? he? shot 64, shot 67 on Saturday, finished 40th somehow with those two rounds. Um, and like you say, he's 18th for the CJ Cup. It, this was a guy that for a long period of time this season, I think it was only Roy McIlroy that drove the ball better than him. Like, mm-hmm. it should really suit him. Um, play well in these types of courses before in the past. Hasn't played here, which I was surprised about. So I actually think it's quite an encouraging sign that he is here. Yeah. Um... Who else did you have in here? I think that was pretty much it. Like, okay. I see Jaeger playing some consistent stuff, but I don't really like him. No. Very I, limited. I got. A, I have one more that, and this was my last bet. Um, so I had, I had day thirty, Pendrith fifty, Straka eighty, Burmy eighty, um, and this guy Molinari, at a hundred. And I know it's a little crazy, but. He started off so well last week at the Mayakoba. His his weekend was horrible. I don't know exactly what happened. I was kind of I was actually trying to look into it, but he shot like 73, 78 or something over the weekend. 77, <laughs> 75. It was yeah, 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 not good. So, but other than that, I mean, he was good at Wentworth, yeah. and then he was pretty good at uh, at Dunhill, um, and then I just think he's starting to going to start playing more consistently. I like this course form. I like that the score isn't going to get out of control. I like his around the green game. Um, not necessarily the putting, but I just think his, you know, around the green and chipping are like, you know, like those runoff areas. I think he does does really well with that. A lot of the comp courses you talked about, um, he's he's played really well at at Riviera. Um, even when he was in bad form, plays Riviera well. Yeah. Uh, and I just think he's gonna have a good year. And I just think, you know, by early rather than he comes in fourth place this week and then he's you know, fifty to one at Riviera in a couple months, like. I just think buy a little bit early, start investing now, because I do think that the upswing is coming. He wants to get on that Ryder Cup team really bad. He talked about that last week as well. So I just think buying now at 100, I think I even saw 125 on a couple books, um, I just think is a good place to get back and invested. I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. So I think we took that kind of approach with Jason Day almost all year long, right? And it, yes, it's taken a little while to transpire, but it has transpired. Like I think he's back to not his brilliant best, but close. Um I, I'm taking that approach with Luke List, hoping he's going to rebound after you know a very lean period after Tory Pines. I think you have to, like especially this time of the season, like anything can happen. Um, like you say, he was third after round one last week, so he obviously started okay. 
Anyone else? So we got into the 6K range here. Last thing I'll say, he was 15th here in 2020, and that was, was. Sam- sandwiched yeah. around five out of six missed cuts. So he must like the course a little bit. Yeah, with, with Drew last year, I don't know what that was about, but he was going for a tough spell last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, who else? No, that was really it. I had Straka, Steele, and, and Molinari. Yeah, like that. Um, 6K range. It's pretty lean this week. Um, Kramer Hickok has had some decent rounds here in the past. Um, but not someone I'm going to get excited about in my lineups. I mean, I've put, I've started my lineup with Jason Day, Joel Damon, Wyndham Clark, Will Gordon, and I've got over like, 8k left for the next two players. So I don't really need to mm-hmm. spend too much time in this 6k range. But is there anyone that kind of stands out? Um, let me just see who this guy is. <sighs> yeah, so me with Robert Streb at 6500. Yeah. Uh, he's been playing really well. He finished seventh here last year. Um, he was third or fourth in my model i was like i kept looking i was like why the hell is he so good in my model he's just been completely solid um you know recently i think he was 29th in bermuda 42nd last week but um this is a place that i think might work out well for him he's good around the green um 6500 i thought was a pretty good price for him wasn't he when we did bermuda wasn't he 6100 or something yeah yeah and and we played him right and like he finished 29th like he's definitely paid off 6100 um Comes back, finishes four second last week in Mayakoba, but he was inside the top 22 um, going into Saturday. So 6,500 is pretty good, you know, battle. He's finished seventh here in the past. I, I kind of like it. Um, it's so lean down here. Uh, David Lingmurf's been playing well, um, which is weird. Like, he's been 11th and 8th his last two starts, but they're in Bermuda and Mayakoba. They're not really le- lending anything to this. Um, so. I would potentially ignore that to an extent. Just trying to look through kind of the course form, see if anyone that kind of stands out that, that might One be last down. thing about um, Streb, and a reason why he might have played well here last year too, is he uh, his Super Bowl is next week. The RSM prepares the RSM, himself so for it, yeah. He's getting ready, so. And he, hadn't he played well at the CJ Cup? Didn't he shoot like, because didn't, like Keith Mitchell shoot like a 62 or something or 63 and then Streb shot 61 yes yeah 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 so so maybe that, that was obviously part of it as well I'm just looking at Kramer Hickok like 58th here on debut but shot two middle rounds of 68 after a 65 uh, 75 opening round and then last year he was inside the top 10 all week finished fourth was actually second going into the final round he's obviously not playing well but you know he had a 25th place finish to start of the season at the Fortinet and Maybe the other courses just haven't suited him. He's a Texas guy as well. Yeah. So Kramer Hickok for me, uh, Robert Streb for you, 6,600 for Hickok, 6,500 for Streb. I don't think you need too many players down here. Like I think I think you'd just be if, if you were down here, you've probably built your lineup wrong. I think. Um, How about our sexy Veerman? Sexy Veerman. <laughs> Um, he his stats. I noticed his stats were pretty impressive. I think for around the green, maybe when I was looking, I don't really know. Bear in mind, I follow the DP World Tour. Like I don't really know kind of where his best thing is. Um, which is good. That's you know, it's good to have that little bit of uncertainty about him. He's not been great. He finished eleventh last time out of the Mallorca Open, but he's been a little bit of disappointment since winning. So <clears throat> I don't I, I don't see any reason to. To necessarily plug him in, it's weird he's even here. Yeah, yeah he's only played three times on the, on the PGA Tour, and they're all like majors and stuff. So T to Green, he's been 37th and 10th his last two rounds. Um, a 
approaches have sucked, but the around the green game has been pretty tidy. 14th, 29th, 19th, second. Yeah, and again, he's, he's sexy. Sexy swing as well. <laughs> sexy vim and sexy swing, 6,700. Um, you you're a lot more complimentary about him than you are like a dirt girl who's <laughs> just apparently divorced, even though he's yeah. been happily married for 67 years or whatever it is. Um, I, have a, I have a weakness for the uh, handsome men. <laughs> well, you know, whatever place you go. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I can't find too much else down here. It's just Austin Cook keeps popping up for me in places, but I don't think this is a... I think he's actually hit a decent round here in the past. I think he was actually a first-round leader in a previous um, Houston Open as well. So in 2020, he finished with rounds of 68 and 66. So that's encouraging for Austin Cook. Um just looking 44th and 27th his last two starts. If you really need someone to get through the cut line, he was 13th after 54 holes at uh, Bermuda and then 27th last week at the Mike Hayward. It's pretty good, but I think he's more suited to those kind of tests. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, very, very tough range down here. And just like you, I don't think there's much of a much of a need to go down here. Uh, Stewie Sink seems pretty cheap. He's coming up 44th at the Shriners, was really good on approach. I don't know, I think... He at least has the upside you're kind of looking for. I don't know, though. He might just be too old now. Does Harry Higgs fit under the sexy men model? Um, No, but he... Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but a couple of years ago, my son was in for Halloween. It was pretty funny. i got to retweet that because I had like <laughs> 10 followers when I when it originally happened. And he replied to me, and he um, sent a, like a, a package to my son, golf balls, a hat, all this other stuff. He was oh, in nice. Halloween drinking a Tuesday. Uh, my son was drinking a Tito's bottle. I got to retweet that today so people uh, can see. Yeah, it. I need to see that because I have not seen that. And I just, the only reason it flagged up, and I don't know if it was an old video posted, whether it's a um, recent interview, but it looked like he was um, kind of talking quite openly about his game and how it hadn't been good enough and, and things like that. And it just struck a call for me that actually, you know, for a long time we thought he was going to be a good player. It just hasn't developed. Um, yeah, I just don't think it ever will either. I'm talking about Harry Higgs here. He's not even in the field, so I don't know where I've seen this. <laughs> is it just, Harry Hall in the field? Yeah. Yeah, I just typed, I just typed in I just typed in Higg and the only thing that came up was Higgo, so I don't know why I was talking about Harry Higgs. Um, so yeah, <laughs> we, we can scrap that. I can't remember what I must have been looking at. It must have been, it must have been between Harry Hall and Michael Gligich or something. I've just made up Harry Higgs. But um, well, it was, a good, it was a good nugget to get you to read through that, I think, anyway. You mentioned Kevin Tway. He's 6,200. Yeah, he's also basically dead, isn't he? Um, yeah, I think he is. Like he, he just can't play golf anymore, oh, which Jesus. is a shame because like he was a like a promising player for a good amount of time. Yeah, I mean he's missed nine of his last ten cuts. Twenty seventh at the Wyndham was his last cut. I'm not a big fan of the way he walks either, so I'm glad not to play him. <laughs> It's always strokes gain, bad walk. Yeah. Um, well, strokes lost, bad walk, should I say. Right, let, let's summarise our favourite picks before we get into like defamation of characters and things like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> 10k and above, your favourite pick. Matsy Arm? Yeah, I'm going to go with Ducky. I'm going to go with Sam Burns. It's pretty chalky. Uh, 9k, I'm guessing you're going to go Jason Day? Definitely. So I'll go with Joel Damon, but... Not to dis not to disagree with Jason Dakes, I love him. Eight um, K, Pendrith, and I will say this: body type, Kokrak, Pendrith, similar body type, Straka too. So I'm I'm going for a body type this week. Body type. I'm sure you get a lot of interest in men at the moment. Um, <laughs> the eight K range is. I actually don't like this range at all. I actually prefer dropping down to the sevens. But if I had to make a pick, 
I would I'd take a chance on Mitchell just because I think it's it's actually a better course for him than it suggests. Seven K I'm going Will Gordon, seventy seven hundred. I'm gonna go with hmm, I like three I like Burmy, I like Strzok, and I like Steel. Go, go, go go two of those three. Okay. Um I'm gonna go with Steel at the low end just because no one's really playing him and I don't understand why. Yeah. Um and then also Straka because for whatever reason, Burmese gained a, a ton of steam. Looks incredibly popular, so I, I'll go Straka I think, and Steel. I think there's a thing at the moment of people wanting to chance these DP World Tour regulars that have shown up, like Dietrich's obviously being mm-hmm. popular Burmese. I think people just want to catch that, and it, it leads to some play. Um, I will add in uh, Loot List as my second 7K guy. Um, 6K range. Um, Is it Robert Strap? Yeah, it's definitely Streb for me. I was gonna say too, like Molly seventy one hundred. I know it's not six Ks, but I'm I'm That's not fine. going that yeah. deep. And he he just like I have a feeling about him for some reason. And then um, yeah, I like Streb too. Cool. Yeah, I think I think seventy one is fine in the context of this. Um, now that Harry Higgs is not in there, and I've wasted two minutes talking about him, and I shouldn't have done. Um, I will go with Kramer Hickok. I think I think he's just going to come back on his golf course thing it suits him so 6600 for Kramer Higgot for me I think that kind of summarizes where we're at I think we're we're pretty happy with what we've put together there for the Houston Open um as we said at the top of the show tough tough slog at the moment like tough part of the year um and you just have to kind of ride it out I think we'll learn I think once you start getting to like February March time and the Masters are kind of approaching you know where people are in their games but at this time of year I think it's difficult to know who's like tailing off who's preparing to work on something who's working on something but needs another two weeks etc so it's really hard to know the mental state and physical state of people's games at this time of year yeah and i, I want to say this too just only because i mentioned it like during that week when everyone's talking about the corn fairy tour guys and it's the time to get on the young young up-and-comers so i just want to talk about a couple of the young up-and-comers who have won so far the swing season keegan bradley rory mcelroy seamus power and russell henley yeah it's been a it's been young up-and-comers. Who, who've been the second place finishes in those though I don't know. Not even do I. <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to bust your balls. I literally don't know who's finished second. But it, yeah, look, it's just excitement, right? Like everyone does it. We all get caught up in it. We we want to play the guys. I did it just in the start of the season. I was keen to do it in Taylor Montgomery, and he got slashed pretty quickly. So um, you don't need to chase these guys. Like there's people that are proven entities that you know have got years of course. And I think this year as well. Like so, 65 has led after round one both years so far. They've, I reckon they better that this year because I think that it's the third time people are seeing it. It's probably the second time for a lot of players seeing it. Um, it you know, it, it's a golf course that demands different things. There's five par threes on here. And you definitely, I think, want to start on number one tee. Like, you get two par fives, the easy par three second, which plays under par, um, and you get a short par four as well because the par fours are killing it. Yep. I, I, I want to say that someone an account posted about first round leaders and most of them have started on 10 if i'm not um so all so so all five of the co-leaders started on one last year and okay snedeker started on one last year but i think probably the account you were talking about showed all the scores that were like second mm-hmm. and in 2020 there was a bunch of them that shot 67 from the 10th tee so i don't think it's impossible i just think that having that comfy start is is a good way forward good to know Jason so, yeah. Day's winning. That's all we got to say. Jason, Jason Day's going to win, and I think he's going to go wire to wire as well. Oh, I'm gonna maybe I'll sprinkle that. Some you know, he's, he's, he's had 13 wins on the PJ Tour. Three of them have been wire to wire, 
and one of them was when he went first, third, first, first. Wow. So parlay it, first round leader and winner. Yeah, good. There you go. Jason Day wins the Houston Open. We're signing out. That's right. Have a good week, everybody. Thank you.